1: Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined, as always, by Nate Atkins. It is a time that we should not speak of in the Lucas Oil Stadium press box. We are recording the First Impressions podcast on the end of the season. The Colts lose 23-19. A lot of this podcast is really going to come down to one play. We might as well just start it there. We might be stepping on some of the categories, but this is the best way to to sum it up. Uh, I think this is a team that really no one expected to be here. You wouldn't have expected to be here if you... Uh, said they're not going to have their starting quarterback, they're not going to have Jonathan Taylor for seven games, not going to have Braden Smith for seven games, no, Jelani Woods, Um, what they did at the corner position in terms of adding talent and giving away experienced talent, you wouldn't have thought they were going to be here. They got to a chance to um, really get themselves a chance to win the game outright with a, a touchdown and an extra point. They go fourth and one. They pull Taylor off the field. They try a little swing pass to Tyler Goodson. Gardner Minshew throws it behind Goodson, who's open. Goodson spins around, can't make the catch. Colts lose. Uh that's 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 sort of the call. That's what everyone's gonna talk about. Um Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a call that uh I, I don't know I don't know how long it's gonna be debated in Indianapolis, but it's being debated right now. So mm-hmm. it's it's a call that Um, I think a lot of people probably wanted to see Taylor on the field.
0: Yeah, I think we'll probably get into the call specifically in the villain because I think there's a couple different ways to go with that. But really this game came down to uh, two kind of seminal moments to me, which is obviously that call, a moment where they went forward on fourth and one and decided to pass and put it in the hands of their quarterback. And then the drive right before that uh, when C.J. Stroud – Steps back, has a man right in his face, and delivers a strike across the middle of the field to get a first down that uh, was so bang-bang it led to a penalty on Ronnie Harrison and kind of set up that game-winning touchdown. And ultimately, that's what this game was, is a matchup of two teams that were 9-7, and seven, that rebounded from picking in the top five a year ago, that a first-year had coaches, that have culture changes. There's so many similarities to how they got here, and the game was super tight throughout. And ultimately... To me, the deciding factor was just in a in a passing league. One team had that franchise quarterback out there on the field, healthy, humming, confident, and leading his team into the playoffs. And the other one has that same kind of hope and belief for the future, but their potential franchise quarterback, who could be electric and lift them in moments like this, uh, currently has a hurt shoulder and was on the sidelines. And so that's unfortunately the way that, this often goes. This game was basically a playoff game. It's interesting to think about two 9-and-7 teams. So, like, a couple of years ago, this you know, could have been like a playoff matchup, uh, even though 9-and-7 teams wouldn't have matched up. But the, the 17th game being that extra game, that's what this was. That's what it all felt like. Uh, I, I thought about that the moment that the, the stadium went dark and all the lights were, uh, on the phones were out. and uh, Just the buzz to it, was it was a playoff atmosphere. And ultimately what happens in the playoffs – mostly in this league, is that there's that separator in the quarterbacks who are good enough and ready enough and the, and the ones that aren't. And I thought we felt that sting on those final two drives tonight.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to get into the categories. We're going to start with villain of the game, uh, my villain of the game. I, I feel like I get to pick this one because I've given him here the game a couple of times, Gardner Minshew. Uh, I, I, and this is not just for the last play, uh, although – the more I watch it, the more I think it's a terrible throw. Uh yeah. in a in a spot that it's a terrible throw in a spot that you have that's it's really not it's not a hard throw. Uh there's a there's a guy in his face, but I we were looking at the play, um, kinda after we got back from the press from the press conferences downstairs downstairs. Uh throwing around the defender actually should have made it should have led Minshew to throw the ball up the field to where Tyler Goodson was headed. Which is where Goodson was expecting the ball. It can't be behind him. It can't be low. Uh, Goodson has to make the catch. We can get that into that unsung villain or whatever, um, just because he's in the NFL. But I think it's a terrible throw. It's a terrible throw, and really, it's indicative of the, of the way he played the rest of the game. His numbers: thirteen and twenty-four, one forty-one. No touchdowns. No interception. He didn't have the turnover today, but they he was he was they were bad. They were bad passing. It was an awful game from from Minshew. Uh, when they needed to have it most, and look, I think listeners of this podcast know I'm not necessarily expecting a ton from him. Uh, we're just talking about it in context of this game. They could not throw the ball to save their lives, uh, and needed a, an otherworldly performance uh, from their running back to to even be in it. Because minch he he was missing open, rec- he was he was not seeing open receivers. Alec Pierce, like he owes Alec Pierce for just not seeing him all season um he was leading people into hits uh he was inaccurate just it was just a bad game it was a he was a bad game he's he's been good in some of the games leading up to this um pittsburgh and and last week against las vegas he made some big throws i think to you know to get them in this position but you know this is kind of what you just said when the rubber met the road he, he was a backup and a bad one
0: yeah this was gardner's moment this was his kind of last chance to I think really shows something where he did, I thought, to the past three weeks coming into this, he was pretty good. Those moments you mentioned, Steelers and and Raiders, you know, sandwiched around a couple of bad games against the the Falcons and Bengals. But uh, this was his moment to lead this team, to engineer it, to manage it. He didn't necessarily have to be the hero with what Jonathan Taylor and, and some parts of the defense were were doing but he had to manage it he had to, he had to hit the open throws and he couldn't do it and if he had if he had he'd gotten them there you know could have gotten into the playoffs then they would have had an extra game and who knows maybe it could have even been a home game based on what happens with Jacksonville tomorrow and then he's he's out there for the world to see in a contract year you know starting in a playoff game this was his last kind of chance i thought to show the league that uh that he can be a guy you can win with in a big moment. And he just did not did not bring that. And so it kind of plays into my villain of the game because I think, I think it is Gardner at the top. But to sort of make it just a little bit broader conversation, I'm going to go with Shane Steichen for my villain of the game. And, again, this is about one game. Shane on the totality of the season had a great year. But in this game, I just – that final call, uh, to go for it on fourth and the way that they did it, the more I think through it, the more I watch it, and the more that I hear Shane's explanation, it just – he was asked this after the game, were you a guy who prefers players or plays in those moments? And he more or less said plays and sandwiched around comments where he said this league's all about the players. And it just – it's all kind of twisted and wrong at the end of the day. Like – he had a fourth-and-one play where, you know, you're going to go down swinging one way or another. You you get it, and you can go down and, and win the game and get the playoffs. If you don't, you need to be able to live with the process and the uh, the people you put it on. And so he had options to – he could have given the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Now JT was looking pretty banged up. Uh, he had a run in the second down where he went out of bounds. So – that's that's one thing. If you thought he was too banged up, you have Zach Moss, who's converted short yardage all year long. You could slam it behind an offensive line that was moving people that averaged 6.1 yards a carry on 227 yards today. Uh, you could have thrown to Josh Downs, who who can get open in a phone booth and make reliable catches, who you don't have to worry about. Or you, you don't theoretically worry as much about. Catching a ball that's off his fingertips, you could, you could run a rub route to Michael Pittman Jr., who's got all kinds of catch radius in the world. It makes those tough physical plays. It is hard to bring down. and can muscle for a first down. Any of those plays, if they run them and they come up short, you know, I think I'm sitting here and saying, you know, they did they shot their best shot and they just they just kind of ran out of gas and ran out of what they needed at quarterback. Instead, he put with fourth and one, he put the game and the season and the playoff hopes on the line of two backups to play pitch and catch when they haven't done it all year. Tyler Goodson at that moment in time had seven career targets in the NFL. And, you know, and and Gardner has missed players on ball placement all season long. And a lot of what's overcome that has been Josh Downs and Michael Pittman making acrobatic or smooth catches with either catch radius or or sure hands or laying out for the ball. And so if you're going to try – you're first going to ask him to make a throw. That's not difficult, but it does – take setting your feet and throwing a good ball. If you're not going to rely on, you know, the players who are going to reliably catch that, you should at least have a player who can kind of naturally do those movements and asking a running back with seven career targets to run out of the backfield. And the whole idea is to get him wide open to then spin around and try and catch a ball off his backside. just isn't the way to go. And I understand like Arner deserves more blame for this for sure. That's why I agree with the villain. Uh, but again, Shane, Shane got to watch this all season long of him missing throws similar to that. And it just became a moment, I thought, of where he, it almost felt like he was trying to coach for the Coach of the Year award on that play. Where if it works and Tyler Cudson catches it and he gets up the field and they go in the win, you know, we are talking about how awesome that design was and how bold it was and how Shane pulled another one out. And that's all true, but it's relying on a throw and a catch to be made by backup players who've never really done that in this league at this level in a, in a high leverage game. And they had other players I thought they could have gone down swinging with them. And I just think of your Zach Moss or your Jonathan Taylor or Michael Pittman or Josh Downs. You wish they had bet on you and instead they bet on a play design and that ends up ending their season, unfortunately.
1: I don't think it's as nefarious as Steigen wanting to wanting the glory for himself. He doesn't really strike me as that kind of guy. He hasn't really all season. Um I, I think it's more just the way his brain works is just this call will work against this defense. And I think that that's gotten him in trouble with the backups at other points in the season too. Um like a good example is throwing with Minchu out of the out of his own end zone with Miles Garrett going up against Blake Freeland and Drew Ogletree in the Browns game and that turning into a strip sack. You know where it's you know he knows I have the right play to unlock this coverage this look and, and maybe doesn't think enough about who he's got in the who he's got in the position to catch the ball. Um it it's it's kind of a weird call to go back and forth on because like it was open and uh if it gets complete I think it's 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 probably they're probably down to the five. Maybe it might they might have scored. Um and generally in the past like when the when the call is when the call is like that, when like when when a play doesn't work but the call is open, I generally side with the play caller there. I do though kind of agree, like you you want it in somebody else's hands, I think. Just Goodson just hasn't he hasn't been in that situation. <sighs> I don't know if I really want the ball I don't know if I want Gardner doing anything. Yeah. Um Pittman and Downs aside, I don't know if I want to trust Gardner to do anything the way he played in that game. Um But But yeah. Fourth and one they didn't have to. I think it's I think it's just I think it's just like I said, I don't know if it's as nefarious as like Shane wanting the glory for himself. I think it's just he tend like like everything we've seen from him, he he tends to feel, okay, I I know what play will work. And maybe maybe one of the things he needs to work on in the offseason a little bit is okay, what what are my limitations here based on the personnel I have?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's so much about the glory in that that side of it so much as I do think he, he's he's betting on a design and thinks that you know that that is what got him here in theory. But um you know it's just it it is it it does speak to a larger conversation I think he needs to have and a lot of first year coaches have to go through this where you realize like part of play design is the pieces that you're asking to do the job. And there have been moments this year where he's sort of had to Learn those limitations. And I thought he's done a great job adjusting to that. Like the way that he took Gardner Minshew from where he was in the Jaguars and Browns games when he had eight combined turnovers to what we saw over the past month of much cleaner football that still kind of produced was very commendable. I just, it just seemed to slip away in this one moment where kind of everything's on the line. And it's like, it's one thing if you need to really dial up something because it's so, such a low percentage moment. But fourth and one, like, we've seen them. It's almost like the moment got a little to them today where there have been other moments in fourth and one where they would just run Zach Moss behind somebody and slam him up the They middle.
1: did have some trouble with short yardage earlier. I'd have to look at the numbers, but they had some trouble with short yardage runs earlier in the season, vaguely remembering that. Mm-hmm. Um. But, yeah, I, I, I don't love Goodson in that in that spot. Um, I really don't love Minshew throwing it in that spot because just because he's been off all day. He'd already missed Goodson once. Um, And he gets
0: some passes batted at the line. And so that's like you can design these things where someone's open. There's just – you're introducing a little bit more than you need to in that moment. Uh, I don't know. It's just – again, it's it's more on Gardner for – he did design a play that was open and it's not a hard throw. And, yes, at some point his quarterback – Regardless of what we talk about with the limitations, at some point this season was going to come down to could his quarterback make the throw. They just kind of sped that timeline up a week early, I thought, by going that route and asking him to go win it. When uh, it just he didn't show that today, and in, in a lot of points this season, I don't think
1: that moves us yeah. to hero of the game. I you 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 have to tell me. I I think there's only one answer for this. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's it's j it's JT it was Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. I, this is what I wrote about after the game I, I I didn't write it as explicitly as as I wanted to but like there was a lot of stuff that people have said about Jonathan Taylor this season that he pretty much pushed back on in this game um there's been a lot of stuff upset about the way he handles injuries uh he came back in out now was he the same player no I think the reason he went out of bounds on that second down play is that he couldn't cut we saw it on the first two plays that he had a negative one and then he had a zero-yard run, and he tried to cut and couldn't really do it. And if you watched what he did after that, um, I'd have to go back. There might have been a jump cut in there. I think most of what he did after that was sort of straight line, um, attacking the hole type stuff uh, on that drive. But he was hurt. And coming back out there, it was like he was saying, I, Jonathan Taylor, like you had to be at his post-game press conference too. He was like, He was like a manic sadness I don't even know how to describe it but he was very emotional you could, like like most of the players were but it was also just like a, a like a, an energy to it that was just like I can't believe we didn't get that um, and that's another thing he's been accused of he's been accused of not caring about his team uh, he's been accused of not wanting to win like his two of his his two best games in his career are in win and get in scenarios in his rookie year against Jacksonville and then tonight in terms of yardage like this this is somebody who wants to win i don't think he always communicates the way pe- that's easy for people he doesn't like to say things um sort of bluntly uh he kind of likes to skip past some of the dirty details and i know i understand like that none of that stuff's great but sort of the way this this conversation went early in the season and the way it went after that we just ascribed a lot of stuff to jonathan taylor that i thought was pretty unfair based on a contract dispute and he he kind of answered a lot of that stuff in one performance tonight.
0: Yeah, it was something to see him go out with another ankle injury given just the history and how he got to this point and they announced that he's doubtful to return and then there he is pushing through and coming back out there and it's you know and, and I think the fact that he wasn't able to be at his best at the end kind of kind of does validate all of that in uh, in, in terms of that he's really given, given it his all. And even with that, even with that final drive of not being able to do all that, he averaged 6.3 yards carry and 30 carries. I guess a defense that really has shut down everybody running the ball since Zach Moss ripped them apart in week two. Like So this was a moment where you just think like how – I don't know what the Colts would have done on offense without Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss had six carries for thirty yards. And the way they were blocking the run game, I'm sure he could have had some production. But today, with their passing game, he needed—you needed a monstrous performance from a running back, and they got it. And really, all that happened was he got banged up late. And if he doesn't have that injury, I think he probably went takes them down and they win the game.
1: Unsung villain, unsung villain for today's game. The 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 villain picks were pretty pretty obvious. So there's lots of unsung. Yeah.
0: I mean Tyler Goodson's sort of the easy one to go to. So He might be a sung villain. Sung. Yeah, he's it's not unsung. But I, I guess the reason the way I'll spin the unsung part of it is he's the one here I in terms of like going right at it with vitriol of the obvious contenders, he's the one I'm going at the least because some of what we said about you know, it was not it was not the best ball and he's expecting it in one place and it's in another and you're turning. And and when, and and when you're doing that with a quarterback, you've barely worked with uh, that's difficult. And it's a guy who's barely done that with any quarterback at this level. And he doesn't even play the position where you'd be most natural at doing that. So look, he get he deserves to be on the list because it it is, he was open and you got to make plays like that. Like you got to make the plays when they're there to be a playoff team. That's just the, basic definition of it. And if he catches that, if he's able to just sort of corral it in his fingertips, haul it in, even if he just kinda of like has to fall down catching it, they you know, they get the first down and they got they have a new set of downs, they have a chance to go win it. They have two timeouts. So the moment was there and, you know, he didn't get a lot of opportunities. So when when you get your opportunity, you you've got to be able to cash in. He wasn't able to do it. Uh it's unsung to me though, just because like he's we're talking about a guy who was really more their fourth string running back. Uh he was active today over Trey Sermon because that's just how they manage that third running back spas. It's about special teams mainly. And so because he was that's the way they were going to go, they, you know, they created a little bit more of an offensive role to try and use his skill set which is more of a receiver. So, but but for the most part, I I think he in terms of just the pure running back position, he's the fourth best running back they have. And so he's kind of put in a position where You'd like him to make that play, and he wants to, and he felt bad. He called it a failure, uh, but you know, it's not. Uh, it's
1: not like he had a lot of build up to that either. So I don't know. Unsung villain for me is the secondary. They're not. They they were not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty clear that a that I, I was thinking was Nick Cross abandoned yep uh, a two deep role on the very first play of the game made Juju Brentz look terrible. Um, on a 75-yard touchdown pass, uh, Ronnie Thomas on the next touchdown just didn't cover Andrew Beck. I know he's a fullback, but come on, he's lined um, up at wide receiver, though. Ronnie Harrison on the play you were talking to the you were talking about earlier, the the seed that Stroud threw over the middle, like it was there. He was there, mm-hmm. and well, I'll get to this in a later category. Like uh, th- all these guys being in this position. Um, but in Brent's on some earlier on some early like short routes not great um the, the secondary has been a, it's been a, it's been a weak link all season and, and,
0: and Jalen Jones just to throw him out there on that just because he doesn't no one's really <laughs> blameless on that uh that that big catch and run uh would have been in the second quarter by the goal line by uh, Nico Collins the one that Zaire Franklin we, missed. yeah, yeah. Jalen Jones not not the way you want to see a guy step up and tackle and, and deliver in that moment either.
1: Yeah, it like the pass rush, the pass rush, especially in the first half, also deserves some. Um, but I thought they kind of got it going a little bit in the second half. Like for instance, on the one over the middle, Taquan Lewis should have had a sack. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple other plays like that. Like it, it's just <laughs> this defense's weak link has been the secondary all season, and this they just against Stroud. Um, well, I mean, really, the thing was, though, like, Stroud was missing. The Texans didn't have, they had Collins, but they didn't have Robert Woods, and they didn't have Noah Brown. They haven't had Tank for a while. And they're pretty thin at the wide receiver spot, spot other than Collins. And when he threw, I think, to anybody else, basically, it was not that su- successful, really, for most of the game. And they, you know, this is just, it was, the secondary is overmatched. They're they overmatched, and they have it all season.
0: Yeah, it was amazing to look at them down the stretch of that game and think that um you know they had second year Nick Cross making his fourth I think fourth fifth career start something like that. Uh they had undrafted DJ Baker out there outside corner. They had Jalen Jones as a seventh round pick. Uh they had Ronnie Harrison who moved who's been a safety but he moved from linebacker a few games ago some of that's unfortunate injuries to Julian Blackman and Dallas Flowers and you know and Juju for a bit there but yeah that's i mean it's a spot that unfortunately they they kind of put themselves in of not having just enough outside corners to really to form a good defense to start but then to have the depth to to overcome that so CJ is you know this is what why i why initially thought that the Texans were going to come out on top in this game is just Coles hadn't faced a quarterback like this healthy since probably Trevor Lawrence in Week Six, and so when that's the case, uh, you know they're they're going to get exposed for their weaknesses, which was the secondary.
1: Uh, unsung hero. I'll go first on this. I thought the force Buckner was great. Yep. Uh, especially considering that um, Fox 59's Brett Bensley, um, cameraman, reported uh, that on the first drive, Buckner came out and got something looked at on his right arm, hand, shoulder, something. He was hurt again. Um, and ends up with six tackles, a sack, two quarterback hits. Um, he was really good again. Uh, really good today. Doesn't get enough credit, probably should be in the Pro Bowl. I think I've said this over and over again with Buckner, but just like on a day when on a day when there weren't a lot of defensive standouts, Buckner, I think on a snap basis was really good. And there there were some hustle plays too, like at the end of the first half, this just his effort, the effort he plays with. For a guy of his stature, is is intense.
0: Yeah, he laid it on the line, and it, it, you know there were for as good of a day as C.J. Stroud had, like it felt like there were some explosive plays he was trying to get to. They just couldn't because DeForest was either pushing a guard into his face or, or just kind of giving chase and moving him off his spot. Like right at the moments when C.J. was ready to pull the trigger, he was having to run away from DeForest Buckner. So
1: almost got there on the first one.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so it's amazing to think what, what this would have been if not for him. He was like, when you think about the, the things that held them in this game, it, it really kind of was Taylor and, and Buckner in a lot of these moments. Uh, my my unsung hero is Josh Downs. Uh, he only got three targets but turned it into three catches for 48 yards. And he just had that you know, the 28-yarder on that last drive. That was their best shot at launching that drive because you've got a hobbled Taylor, you've got – Garner, Minshew trying to drive the length of the field. You need a touchdown. Uh, you know he. There just wasn't a lot of of ex- kind of big chunk options on their menu at that point in time. And so for him to step up and take that play and make guys miss and, and get yak yardage to get to twenty eight a twenty eight yard gain, which was their longest uh, pass play of the game, and I believe yep second longest play behind Taylor's forty nine yarder. Uh, that's that's what you want out of a rookie is. You know, lower volume day, but step up in the moment and make the kind of play. And I think if they had finished that off, you know, we would have we would have been writing about how Josh Downs sort of, you know, when they needed a big play, uh, kind of stepped up and delivered. And you know, it's he's had a he's had a very nice rookie year. It slowed a bit down the stretch. He hit a his own kind of version of the rookie wall. I think with just kind of the physical toll of the season and, and defense is keying in on him in the slot a little bit. But this was a game where they needed sort of that, one of those secondary pieces to tailor just a little bit of some someone else doing something uh, in that moment. And I thought he gave them what they needed, and unfortunately it just didn't uh, go all the way.
1: That brings us to the interlude, uh, game day observation. And we'll start with game day observation, then get to three football things we love. Uh, game day observation, good job, Lucas Oil sounded sounded good from the press box looked good uh with the with the lights early on just um kind of kind of was hoping that we would get a a playoff game since I know Indianapolis hasn't had one in a long time I uh, was kind of hoping that they'd get a playoff game, so just just good job, good job, Colts crowd tonight,
0: yeah, I'll just echo that you know it's been a kind of weird season to cover just because it's. This team's contended, but they surprised, but they did so without their rookie quarterback, so I, I understand kind of why fans sort of were trying to feel this team out for a while, but they really seem to get re- energized by last week going out and beating the Raiders and having a chance at this, and you know, I got here at, game started at 8-15, I got here at 5-45, and the fans were lined up waiting to go through the metal detectors into the stadium, and they were like 50 of them deep, and I I don't remember really running into that here when I've come in. So, uh, you know, they 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 came out early. They were loud. They were um, the the light display was was awesome in the pregame. And you know, I just it's this is such a wild game here where it's like we're talking so much on on the disappointments and the the down locker room and and things like that. But like. I think about what happened. What would have happened if they did finish this off. And The roof might have blown off this place just to see them kind of have this moment at home win in that style on offense. And so I think the fans were ready for that. They brought it um, just like a lot of things in this game. Just Unfortunately, it just fell a little short. Football things that gave me
1: joy. Number one, pop pass. <laughs> I love pop pass. Uh, I love it at the goal line. I kind of love it in, in the field of play too. Love, love pop pass. Pop pass to Molly Cox. Number one football thing that gave me joy. That was a great, also really hard to cover.
0: It is. That was a great play call. That was uh, that was like the one time when, in this game, when doing something, asking Gardner Minshew to execute and deliver, and it was like it was the the right way to to go about it. So props to Shane on that one. Um, I'm gonna uh, one football thing that gave me joy just. Roberto Sanchez boomed a 63 yard punt that. I think it was one of his best this year, is Gunnar seemed to be kind of in position and just, they, you know, they do what unfortunately happens to this. Please bring me Ashton Doolin back. Yes, that would be great. Um, So he didn't end up kind of having the the overall day net-wise that he's been having recently, but um, just I thought he really helped. He gave him a chance with some of these uh, big booming kicks in, in pretty good direction and yeah, just an opportunity to plug a story that I did this week. I know people are probably maybe not as uh, so into it's, that right so now. It's, so it's Nate things that gave you joy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's relevant to this game is that Rigo's uh, every home game, although maybe I'm not sure how this one went with how late it was, but at most, home, most home games his uh, wife and daughter sit in the stands, and they used to sit in a suite, uh, but – when he tore his Achilles and he was entering a contract year, they decided to give up the suite because it cost what uh, his wife compared to the cost of a Toyota Corolla. And so they moved to the stands to just kind of have a cheaper seat. And they found that that sort of energized his daughter in a way that's kind of set her over the moon as a football fan. So she goes absolutely nuts when Rigo goes out there and uh, booms these big kicks. And so uh, for them, you know, you get to see that 63 yarder that was like, it's one of his best punts of the year in one of the biggest games. And so that was just a cool moment for a guy that, you know, a, a guy who has one body part that's supposed to be perfect and tore the Achilles in it a year ago and has worked back pretty nicely. I think he had a season that was uh, went out of the radar because they were so overall not good on
1: special teams, but he was pretty good tonight. Nate just body shamed punters. Um, he said they only have one <laughs> body part that's supposed to be perfect. I see you punters. I see you out there in the gym. <laughs> Rico's a pretty darn good athlete. I used to cover Thomas Morstead, who is, who is like in, had incredible upper body strength for a punter. So I'm just shouting that out for he Thomas. He was kind of fast too. Uh, number two football thing that gave me joy: Alec Pierce escorting Jonathan Taylor to the end zone. I don't think Taylor necessarily needed it uh, on that 49 yard touchdown run, but Pierce had a like Pierce had a game where uh, Gordon Minshew for some for whatever reason i spent an entire season throwing to alec pierce and cannot figure out how to get him the ball um he can't find him when he's wide open he can't get the ball to him in a good spot uh anyway all of those things are reasons that alec Pierce could maybe you know would maybe you know not give as much effort and you say well no one receiver in the nfl would never do that may i point you to one george pickens <laughs> uh but pierce <laughs> pierce is on the field all the time and part of it is because of the blocking like that uh good blocking on that play by Pierce. I think Kyle and Granson had a good block too, but um, Pierce just Pierce staying in it was, was a football thing that gave me joy. Yeah, that was, that was cool. That's uh, man. Also personal escorts to the end zone are always fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the one play where ironically where, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor had a better time finding Alec Pierce than Gardner Minshew did. So, um, so that was good to see. Uh, trying to think what I was going to throw out here from my other football thing that gave me joy. Uh, oh Well, I will just say that there was a play where Michael Pittman Jr. caught a pass and got drilled and drew a penalty, and I was just glad to see it, you know, not be the way it was against the Steelers where, you know, it wasn't helmet to helmet. It was able to take a big hit, get a penalty for his team, but bounced right back up, and, you know, he – it was a little scary moment for him going through the concussion protocol two different times, and luckily that did not happen in this one, so kind of any time those guys have a close call and bounce back up, I, it's something that brings me joy.
1: Number three football thing that gave me joy, Jonathan Taylor coming back out. I don't think, I think that's just like an elemental part of football. Anytime any player, well, maybe not any player. Ben Roethlisberger seemed to use it like a little too much, <laughs> but like uh, anytime a player is, is injured, goes into the locker room, comes back out, and, and. You know, lays it on the line. I think I think that's good. There were other examples of that in this game, um, but with with Colts players. But just in terms of Taylor trying to Willis Reed his way to a victory, I think anytime you can use Willis Reed as a verb, I think it's a good thing.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm gonna kind of a little similar to that. A guy who did not was not able to come back out was Juju Brents, who unfortunately had another hamstring injury. I believe that's his third hamstring injury. And obviously there's not a lot of joy in this this story for the way it ended for Juju not being able to be out there for his hometown team in a moment he dreamed of. But I just want to give him a shout-out for um, handling it really professionally afterwards where he talked to the locker room for about as long as any player and just really had a good perspective about, you know, how – they, you know he he dreamed of and asked for moments like this and that's going to come with you know moments of joy and it's going to come with moments of pain and moments of growth and uh yeah i just think he's he was one of those guys that's felt the weight of you know the just what it's like to not be out there in the way that that gets unfortunately too often spun with fans about how that's either some kind of Choice by the player, or something lacking in their toughness or some ability of theirs, and for him, you know he's he's just had unfortunately just had some really bad luck this year. It's a little similar to some of what Paris Campbell went through, and you know we were we finally saw Paris come out of it kinda of late in his career, hopefully for Juju that just starts next year, and it's like you get right back through this but um you know it's just it's, it's that's a guy that I I thought a lot about with the way this went down is that uh he was in a moment where he could have been out there on that final drive and I know he wasn't having the best day but he dreams of being out there and being the guy to make some of these plays to to get his team to the playoffs at home like the storybook moment was there and for him unfortunately an injury happened and as and again I just want to shout him out because it was easy in the moment to on that first Touchdown just assume well geez, Juju really just got toasted down the field, but it does look on the replay like Nick Cross uh should have been back there and, and it makes sense because Juju was not drafted at six three to cover guys all the way down the field. So I just think that he's uh he's got a little bit more um shade that I think he probably deserves. Uh it's been disappointing in the injuries, but I don't I don't think it should throw people off. Uh, the hope of his abilities and the fact that sometimes you just have one year where you're, you're kind of banged up and you can
1: bounce out of it, and I hope that's what happens for him. Too little blame, too much blame. Getting back into the football port of this thing, too little blame. Who do you have for, for too little blame for this game?
0: Mm, I guess I'm going to go with, you headed at it, the pass rush. Um, so there were moments where DeForest Buckner had a, had a really nice game, but just thought we would see a little bit more off the edge particularly. So they had the one sack where they dialed it up with Ronnie Harrison, which was cool, watching him come from depth and kinda of surprised the line. But I just I thought the we timing
1: would, on that piece was almost a football thing that gave me joy. He almost hit it as a running start. It was really it was. Stroud might need to work on his cadence. Was my was my other yeah, thought there. That's true. That's very true.
0: Um but just like the edge the edge players particularly, Taekwondo is the one that I think brought it the most. But I just I thought we would have a moment from either Samson Ebicom, Pay, maybe Dio off the edge where they would make something happen. I mean, you've got Laramie Tunsell, who's a great player, but he's banged up at left tackle. And they had a backup right tackle. And, you know, these are the moments the season kind of built for them to rise up. And, uh, of course, the job's hard when the secondary is like it is and CJ's really good. But, you know, there were moments where, you know, they were chasing him around. They just didn't quite... They just didn't finish and make those big plays. And I don't know, it didn't have necessarily have to be a strip sack, but just a couple more sacks, something to kind of knock them out of field goal range or make the third down too hard to pick up. Uh, just, you know, for guys that rose to the moment today, you know, Jonathan Taylor did it, DeForest Buckner did it. They kind of needed one more piece to do it, and I thought that would come from one of the edge
1: rushers, and it just never really did. Uh. Yeah, no sacks, no quarterback hits for any of those guys that you mentioned. Um too little blame for me, Chris Ballard. Just for the secondary. We're just we're I'm gonna keep hammering that. Um He he you know, he made the bet on this. You know, there, he said there were gonna be ups and downs. He knew that was gonna happen. Uh if we're talking about this game in general, like, this team ended up being better than they thought. They had a chance at the playoffs. Secondary's not there. Like, we knew going in. Everyone knew going in. If the Colts can't get to Stroud, the secondary's ripe for the picking. That's partially on him. That's partially on Ballard for not – I know there's injuries there, whatever. Like, they need more corners. They need more safeties. They need all that stuff. I just realized we forgot a category, so we're going to go back to it before we get to uh, too much blame. Mm. Uh, number of the day. Oh, cool.
0: okay. I just want to follow – piggyback off that a little bit um i just want to make a point to say like we look at the season in totality the colts finished nine and eight i have a hard time really pinning much on many individual players because i really feel like this team especially relative like relative to their youth relative to what they had to work through in terms of losing guys like a quarterback and a star running back for rest of the year and a right tackle like relative to those individual players and the situations they had to deal with i there, there's some You know, there's 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 certain things you can nitpick, as we've talked about with Jonathan Taylor and the way he handled things. But for the most part, there's almost no. I I have very hard time really blaming the players here. You know, whenever they fell short this year, I think it's kind of like because some of them were backups. (laughs) Like we, that's what Gardner Minshew is, and that's, you know, and it it was bad luck to get to him. But the secondary part of this, like Jalen Jones, Daryl Baker Jr. Those are just not guys who should be out there in a moment like this. And there was some bad luck involved with the injuries and whatnot, but if you take all the injuries away, they were not going to have experienced outside cornerbacks to rise up and be super confident and dialed in and baiting quarterbacks at this time of the year because they didn't put any on the roster. And so it's weird because I feel like if you go through the rest of how Chris Ballard managed other positions – he has a lot of wins this year. You know, like he bet on the offensive line, and it really worked out. You know, he uh, he did get the deal done with Jonathan Taylor. You know, he um, I think Alec Pierce could have worked out if, if it wasn't for losing Anthony Richardson. And the pass rush came together, and they got the eight-man group. So a lot of things worked out. The thing that killed him, though, was one more premium position that just went unaddressed. And that was outside cornerback. And I, it goes back to what we said in the beginning, which is like, they didn't. They thought this would be a growth year and a learning year, and I did too. But they could have given themselves the chance for it to be a little bit more by just signing some. Yeah, you know, I think about guys like Rocky Sin, who signed for one year and six million dollars. Some guy like that who has played and been in moments uh, could have helped, and they could
1: have used it in this game. My number of the day is I'm trying. I've been trying to do the math in my head all day, or this this entire time. Um, but it's 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 the total number of yards Jonathan Taylor has in winter go home games. It's 253 plus 188 plus 77. Um, and I'm not entirely sure I'm doing that right off the top of my head. Um, but it's it's whatever that number is. <laughs> this is what happens when it's three in the morning and I'm doing the first impression. He's been really good. In win or go home situations even in the game in 2021 he had 15 carries for 77 yards against jacksonville in that horrible game that we don't want to speak of uh obviously the 253 yards as a rookie he had the big game today when 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 the chips are down and they need to win or get in jonathan taylor's been great for this team
0: yeah no question about that uh my number of the day is uh one of 12 which is what the colts were on third and fourth down on offense, so it's actually kind of amazing to think that they were like 15 yards short of winning this game. You know, in a game when C.J. Stroud did the kind of type of things he did, uh, I don't know what that exactly speaks to. It, I guess it speaks to Jonathan Taylor and Force Buckner and just some of the plays they made to to will this and a couple other decently big plays they got out of Michael Pittman Jr. and Josh Downs. It just I don't know, it just showed you that like all all games, something between the players executing those third downs to the play calls, it just it wasn't it wasn't their best out there today. And that's oh, that's that that stat right there I think sums up to me
1: why they're just a little short of the playoffs. Too much blame. Too much blame for this game. Tyler Goodson (laughs) I ha- <laughs> is that your pick
0: it is my pick yeah and i i mean i mostly laid it out i just like that can't be the moment of outrage for this game he he deserves some blame because he didn't make the play but like he's not supposed to uh, it's i was surprised i didn't even know that he would be active um i don't did not know he'd be in that role um did not know that well, he's kind of been the pass catching guy yeah. for a while
1: you mean that play though
0: yeah, just that fourth down like the, that he was going to be in a major moment uh like that. because um, the way they talked about it was just like, "Oh, you know, that's the way we we ran plays all week." Um that it's almost like they designed it all week to to do that. And it I don't know, didn't look that way, feel that way. Um and just the fact, that, yeah, it's just he's a running back trying to make a catch that's on a bad ball. So, um if you want him to be Christian McCaffrey, um You can, I guess, but no. I'd I'd rather just ask
1: for the quarterback to make the throw that a lot of backup quarterbacks should make. Uh, Too much blame for me is the offensive line. I don't even know if everybody was blaming it. I just saw a little bit of it on my timeline. They gave up one sack and three quarterback hits total. Yeah, that's and then rushed for a gazillion yards. That it was a weird. Some there was some weird stuff in the middle last Joel. There was a lot of stuff that was also like honestly. If you're asking me why can't Gardner Minshew make deep throws at this point, you haven't been listening to the pod or really watching me tweet all season. Um, But, like, that was a weird one. I had a couple of, like, the offensive line is terrible things. I was like, they have given up. Like, Minshew's barely been touched. Um, That was weird. No, I'd say behind
0: Taylor, they were the best group out there today. Behind Taylor Buckner. The offensive line was the next
1: best thing they had. And they, and they were helped. hurt. And they were hurt they hurt. They were. They were hobbled. Braden I mean, Smith was hurt. Quentin Nelson was hurt. Ryan Kelly was hurt. And like then they, they played without Braden for a quarter. Yeah. And like they, we, they I remember hurt. us
0: thinking, like, well, this could get, like, terrible. And it didn't get wrecked. Like, they found a way to give their best.
1: That leads us to the last two. Uh, one to throw away and one to go on. Luckily, this doesn't have to be a one to go on for the whole season, although I might, I might do this. Uh, take to throw away from this game. What's your take to throw away from this game?
0: Uh, I mean, if you're going to use this game to say that, like, Alec Pierce doesn't have it, throw that away. Um, I'm mostly going to throw away Alec Pierce's season as an evaluation of where he's at. I'm not going to give him a total pass and assume that he's a great player because he hasn't proven that either. But I'm not – like, this season didn't work out for his skill set and his role with what he needs at the quarterback position. And So
1: many unthrown open
0: routes so many and today just to me really crystallized it is like they clearly that was in the game script they they went to him early they they dialed up a shot play deep um they did the crosser to him like he was a primary read on some plays and just ball was never catchable and it's so unfortunate this game especially because you know talking to some other texans writers and looking into them like one of the things that has been their achilles heel is play action deep shots is they kind of leave those kind of open with the way they play their safeties, and they've got a young secondary, and Alec Pierce skill set wise should be the guy to do that. And we could criticize him if he had dropped the pass, or you know could never get open. It, it just they didn't even really try it down the field because they weren't built to. And until they are, um, we're just not going to get a real evaluation for them. So um, you know, it's like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying i know what he is but i'll tell you what i know he's not he's not a zero catch at a four target guy uh if he has a quarterback who's getting in the ball
1: one one to throw away from me is just sort of the, the like the i don't know the not how to describe this the like i get i get being upset about a loss but like the sort of fire everyone. Everyone's dumb. This is never going to work. We got to just give up on this staff right now. It, wherever that's coming from, like I, that doesn't make. I don't think. I don't think that's most of you. If I'm being honest, I don't think most of you fall into that camp. Like they played most of the season with their backup quarterback, and you can say like, "I want them to win." That's great. They they have a developmental quarterback. Like, I, there's just not time to pull the plug on like the whole like. It doesn't make sense. You got a, you got a better season than you expected. Uh, from a first-year head coach, you didn't have your rookie quarterback who looked better than you expected before he got hurt. And then it came up short in the last game, basically because you didn't have your rookie quarterback and the other team had theirs. That's, I I don't know, that's getting furious about that from from a direction of the organization standpoint doesn't make sense to me. There's some stuff they need to fix, to be sure. But, like, we also kind of knew from the beginning that they weren't trying real hard this year. So, I don't know. It, it's kind of a weird, weird thing to take. Yeah, I mean, us- I will just
0: add to that. Like, even though I made Shane the villain of this specific game, like on the season as a whole, I don't know how much, how much more you can really ask out of the coaching staff.
1: Jonathan Taylor hammered on this in the with the play call. Like yeah. he hammered on, like
0: yeah, like when stop is stop questioning Shane's play? He said, "When have you questioned his play calls all year?" Which is kind of the point. It's kind of why I took the chance to do it. Is that there have been very few moments of play calls that i could question been a couple of game management things that are natural for first year head coach but almost every single thing that you could throw out there that's been a coaching issue we could come back and say actually it's probably more of a personnel issue more of a front office issue so there's blame to go around when you fall short uh i don't think it's with them
1: that leaves us with one to go on something to take away from this game uh, i'm gonna let you go mine is very simple and very short uh but I'm going to let you go first. Mm, I'm intrigued. Um,
0: I'm going to go with that the Colts are a dominant rushing team. And they're going to go into next year and be a dominant rushing team because we saw what Jonathan Taylor can be once he finally kind of gets through the weirdness and gets uh, gets back to himself. I think we saw uh, – we'll see, we'll see what they do with their backup running backs. I think, you know, Zach Moss may leave, but Trey Sermon showed some things. Like the way that they're dialing up the run game – I think some of the backs that they're looking at, the way they fill out the depth chart, it gives you hope. And then the real thing is Anthony Richardson is going to be added to this. And just imagine what that would have been like today to add that rushing threat in the backfield with the way they blocked uh, from the offensive line to the tight ends to the way Jonathan Taylor was running. Like the moments this year when things have frozen for that run game have been either that five-man bare front that's kind of stymied the zone blocking – or it's really come down to that. There's just not that quarterback threat, uh, run threat. So they just kind of all converge on the running back. I think you add Anthony Richardson into this, and then the fact that they, he can run that way on some of those scrambles, where there were scramblings for Gardner, and he would go and get, you know, he had like a nine-yard scramble. Anthony may turn and hit a lane and go for thirty-five. He also some of those he plays. also
1: came up short of like a, a good 11 billion first downs this season. Yeah, he it's uh, not that many. It's more like six, but like it was kind like of that. an odd skill of his and. Anthony. All things that don't give me joy. Watching people go down before the yeah, first down the, marker. The,
0: the diving a yard short is uh, that was a weird, weird habit of his. But yeah, with Anthony, obviously, we'll have the conversation about you know he's got to not take big hits. But at the same time, he's so freaking fast that he can get that first down marker, then slide and and still easily have it. And so I just think uh, there's a lot, a lot of hope for the future. About you give Shane Steichen the ability to design an offense with this offensive line. Uh, this offensive line coach, blocking scheme, uh, Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson, I think the run game is going to be absolutely electric next year. So long as these guys can stay healthy,
1: which is an if, but whenever they're out there, I think it's going to be pretty fun. My one to go on. My one thing you can take away from this game and, and go on, and uh, this is gone for a long time because it's until uh, next season, you can stop worrying about Gardner Minshew. It's Anthony Richardson time again. Oh. Mm. I, I, I fully endorse all worrying and or thinking about Anthony Richardson, but you can stop thinking about Gardner Minshew. It's done. Bye. Yep. This is a
0: – huh.
1: I just realized that. This may be the last podcast we talk about him. Probably not because there will be questions about backup quarterback in the in the offseason, but definitely the last time we talk about him in terms of a starting role for the Colts, I think. Yeah. Because I think he's probably going to get signed elsewhere.
0: Yeah. He's, I think he's going to go for somewhere else that has some chance of – of stepping in so and more money um r.i.p money. to us trying to talk through a lot of this it's been a challenge at times this year
1: um <laughs> i've been fine I'm uh, good. <laughs> 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 it's anthony richardson time again for the colts cover 2 podcast that's the first impressions off of the last game of the season we are in the off season officially, like I said. Uh the Colts will not be doing locker clean out on Sunday. If you're listening to that, don't be expecting any news. They're doing it on Monday. It'll be early in the morning. We'll have a chance to talk to hopefully maybe get a chance to talk to Anthony um on, on Monday. Um and then obviously Chris Ballard at some point in the next couple of weeks. Usually usually it's it's the week after the season. Mm-hmm. We'll do his his thoughts on the season. Um but until then, until Monday for the Colts Cover Two Podcast, I'm Julie Erickson and Nate Atkins. Colts are 9 and 8, and we are headed home.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.